Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam Vandermeulen, and I'm so excited to share this guest episode with you today. Today, we're talking to my friend and my colleague, Katie Horwich. Katie is a New York City-based writer, speaker, mindset coach, and the founder of Want, Women Against Negative Talk. It's a platform and a podcast by the same name that gives you tips, tools, motivation, and inspiration to move forward in your life by shifting your negative self-talk. It's so, so important that Katie is doing this work, and her work has appeared on CNN, The Cut, Mind Body Green, and so much more. You might have even worked out with her on the app, Aptive. Katie is super cool. I've spoken with her at conferences before. We've met in real life, and I'm just really excited to bring this conversation to you today. I'm so curious about self-talk myself. I personally don't know a ton about it other than just knowing, you know, maybe a basic definition or something like that. So I was really curious to get to talk to somebody who talks about self-talk for a living. And I also wanted to know how we could get better at it. And particularly, you know, to just talk with Katie about how self-talk issues or little like things that we've got to navigate come up for us as entrepreneurs. I don't know about you, but a lot of this kind of stuff comes up for me in social media and using social media being, you know, more visible sometimes and things like that. And I was so curious and you'll hear me talk with Katie a lot in today's episode about like what is going on on social media and how people are, you know, kind of announcing their departure, people are leaving, people are sharing a lot more about how it's affecting their mental health and their well-being. And I was just so curious from somebody's perspective who studies self-talk, you know, what what she thought about all of that. Because I know for me, when I see people announcing that they're leaving Instagram or that they're like making some major shift in their business and kind of going, you know, more inwards and, and more private, I'm always curious about what that brings up for me, like, so I will take something away from them. Like, should I be leaving social media? Am I, should I not be on here as much? I start judging myself, talking to myself, or I start saying like, oh, I wish that I had the courage to do something like that. You know, it's like something only they can do, but I can't do. And then I always am curious as to like, what's been going coming up for them? What's going on for them that led them to this decision? So we talk a lot about social media in general, people wanting to be on it less, but also trying to build their business there. I think another cool thing you're going to get out of my episode with uh, Katie is talking through her career journey and how she got to where she is today. So I'll let her tell the story to you here in a few minutes. But if anybody out there is wondering how this like windy path ends up, I think you'll enjoy this episode. So with that, let's get into it. Hey, Katie, how you doing? I am doing fantastically, mostly because I just spent the last hour with you. We're doing a little pod swap here. So we'll have to, we'll put a link below so that we make sure that we link to Katie's podcast, one cast. We'll talk about that too, but um, we just did an episode together and it was so fun. It's so good. It's so good, everyone. I can't wait for people to hear it. I can't, I can't wait, wait to listen back to it. <laughs> I was ever, just there. Do you ever listen to your own podcast episode? Someone asked me this the other day. I do. I do. I listen to every single episode. I edit most of them myself. I have someone that I call on if I'm just super, super overwhelmed and I need yeah. help. So I listen. I listen from different perspectives. And I think that part of that is from my like my my acting and performer background is that my first pass around when I'm first listening to the episode from editing, I listen 
from the guest and the, if it's an interview, the guest's perspective and the listener's perspective, the audience's perspective, because I want to, I want to get my ego out of the way so that I can serve them and give, give the listener the best listening experience possible. And I want the person who's been on the podcast, if they listen to their interview, which hopefully they will, I want it to be something that they're proud of. Mm -hmm. And so that's my, my first pass or my second pass. And then when I listen back, when it's published, I listen from a sort of self-mentoring perspective. So listening for, okay, well, when did I feel like myself? What did I like? What did I not like? And really listening proactively because I don't know if you feel the same way, but it can be very, very easy to get into that self-critical mindset when you're hearing yourself, especially because as humans, the way we hear ourselves in our head is very different from the way we hear ourselves out loud. So I really, over the years, have practiced putting that part of myself aside in service of like the greater scope of work, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that's a really good tip for people to know too, and to do a little like self-auditing as they're, as they're listening back to their own content or if they're going to start a podcast. I've been getting a lot of questions lately about starting a podcast and maybe we'll loop this into the, the tips as well. But you mentioned your acting background. I, I know a bit about it, but I would love for you to share with everybody a little bit about what you did before what you're doing today. Yeah. So I went to school for drama, specifically for musical theater. I started acting when I was probably in fifth grade. Like I did, I did school, the yearly school shows and holiday shows since I was in kindergarten, but I started doing like plays and musicals when I was in fifth grade, I believe. And I loved it so much. And something that I found really interesting is as I started to get more immersed in the theater world, was total theater kid in high school, president of theater arts club, director of the acapella group, like I was that person. And I realized that being on stage for me was less about getting lost in a character and more about becoming more of myself. I always felt like the fullest version of myself when I was on a stage. And I went to school, like I said, for drama, for musical theater. I acted professionally in TV shows and movies and commercials and theater for my late teens, early twenties. I like still do some of that work now because it was so I was so entrenched with it and it was so a part of my life. I just, I developed the relationships where I get to do certain things at certain times. I get to do a reading of a musical or I get to do a spot for a fitness company. It's super cool. And I know that your podcast is called On Your Terms. I said to myself when I started to move away from being on an acting stage on a theater stage. And I got more interested in fitness and being on a fitness stage. I always said to myself, well, I don't want to put behind performing. I just want to do it on my terms. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of the world 
that I was being surrounded by in that that theater performing world, especially as a 20-something and an early 20-something-year-old, it was a world that involved a lot of a lot of games that I didn't want to play. And not only did I not want to play, but they didn't feel within integrity mm-hmm. to be playing. And I define integrity as when the intent that you have matches the impact that you have. And I found a lot of times that those weren't matching up. And moreover, that was affecting how I was able to basically be myself on a stage. And so when I found fitness, which came after struggling with eating and body related disorders in throughout, really, if I look back throughout my teens and really it came to a head in college, I found that fitness and being a group fitness instructor specifically was a place where I was able to be on a stage and be fully and completely myself. And it was the stage that felt the most natural to me. And what's really cool now is that beyond just like doing an acting gig or a performance gig here or there, I feel like my work now is taking so much of what I loved from so many different aspects of my life and the different facets of my my career up until, you know, now as a 35-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's taken the stuff that I have loved the most, that I've excelled the most at, and that I have been willing to play the game with. And I'm able to be my fullest self here now using all of that stuff. So it's interesting. My life doesn't look the way that I thought it was going to look, but in so many ways, it feels the way that I hoped it would feel. Mm, Like all the elements are there. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. I, I think there is a certain element of like acting and theater that goes on in what we do anyway. Right. Like there's so Mm. much, and I know you and I all talk a lot about social media today, but I feel like when I look at social media as a theater kid myself growing up, I feel like I feel not any good, but just I, I enjoyed it. So the um, I feel like I could see a lot of that, of like just putting on the space sometimes or having to show up in ways because it's also our job, right? So it's like a weird intersection of like, you have to be here in, in a way in the sense that we, I know we all choose to be here and choose to be on social media, but we choose to run our businesses there And then in order to run our business there, you have to show up in a certain way. And so sometimes I feel like there can be certain like acting elements, even that, that come into what we do. Mm -hmm, hundred percent. And, you know, where it can get dicey, I think for some people is when you feel like you are playing a character Mm. online and you are losing yourself in that character. And so a question that I always ask, even just like my friends, when when we're talking about social media, whether they use it for business reasons or for personal reasons, a question that I ask is like, do you do you feel like you're playing a character when you're on social media, and how are you intending to mm. show up? Something that always kind of weirds me out is when I meet someone, whether it's over over the zooms mm-hmm. or if it's in real life, um, when I meet someone and they are not at all the way that they project themselves to be online. 
And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Mm. And this is, this isn't even like, okay, well, they've, they've face tuned themselves or like they're super made up all the time in their pictures, like that, whatever. It's more, who are you projecting yourself to be? Who are you convincing people you are? And like, how are, okay are you with the ramifications that that will have? Because social media and the internet is, is a huge part of our lives now that it will have ramifications and implications in your real life. How okay are you with that either level of connection that people have to you or that level of disconnect that people may feel from you? Because it can go in, in either way. There are some people who feel as if they need to share. And I've been this person for sure. I've, I've been on both ends of the spectrum where I felt like I need to share every single little piece of my life. And I had zero boundaries in place. And what that ended up doing was it opened up conversations with people that I actually didn't want to have. Mm. That felt too intimate. That felt too close to the heart. But I felt like in order to be quote unquote authentic, I needed to like give all my goods on the internet. And so now what I, what I put into place is that I share what feels personal, not what feels intimate. And that boundary, that line is always changing. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has been a, a, a helpful, a useful guiding force for me. Mm, I really like that. What feels personal, but not uh, intimate. That's really a good way to put it. I feel like I say this like every other episode, but my friend Naomi from the Lifestyle Edit, she always says people are entitled to parts of you, but not all of you. And I always think Mm -hmm. that's like a helpful way for me to think of it as like, I don't share all parts of my life or even all parts of something that's going on. Like I've shared openly that my dad is, is dying of cancer. And, you know, I've shared openly about this, but like, I don't share it hardly anything about what's actually happening. Not in a, not in a like uh lie kind of way, just in a, like, it's not really everybody's, you just need to know like the basics of what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to know all the intimate details. So I think that's like, you're saying it's such a hard, it's such a hard line to draw, but also it's a, it's a fluid line. Like these things keep changing as our lives keep changing as the apps themselves, you know, keep changing and how people use them as well. But we'll get into it because I'm, I'm, I have so much to ask you about it, but I'm so curious to like, so from, from Katie doing commercials and, and acting and being in on stage and then starting to do fitness and group classes, how did like self-talk first come into your life? Where did that enter the picture on a professional level? Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's a great distinction on a professional level. Because if you go back into my journals, there are like poems that I wrote myself when I was 12, 13. And I, I look back now and I'm like, this is not very far from the stuff that I'm writing about now. And I think that I was always aware. I was always highly, highly aware and attuned to what was going on around me and what was going on within me and how those two intersected. And I think that, you know, as you're growing up, if you're someone who grows up with hyper-awareness, with really big feelings, sometimes it's it's hard to figure out like what what actually is something that you want to stand behind, what's going on, like you're figuring out like, okay, well, who's in charge here almost because you're feeling 
you're feeling strongly about certain things, you're forming your own opinions and your observations, and then you have a whole world around you that is telling you what to think, how to act, how to look, and who to be. And I'm not just talking about the people who are in your household. I'm talking about the strangers that you see on the street, their body language, the media that you're consuming, like this all comes in on a conscious and a subconscious level 24 seven. And we're so receptive when we're, when we're younger, we're like, we're sponges, we're sponging it all up because we're trying to make sense of the world. And the way that that entered my life in a professional sense is When I was, it was really when I started to get interested in in fitness as a career. And I, to be completely honest with you, it intersected with my acting life because as an actor, you, by necessity, you need to get another job because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a gig career for the majority of people you don't know when the next gig is going to come and you need to have a way to make money. And so I was someone who I had worked retail, I had done restaurant work. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I need to do something that is at least a little bit related. And I, talking about like the game, I didn't want to play the game of working as a receptionist in an agency and then like working my way up or networking, which There are many people who have done that and that's perfect for them. For the person that I am and the way that I take in the world, that was not the right path for me. And I was like, well, cool. I could be, and this is before it was like a cool thing to do. I could be a a group fitness instructor, get to be on a stage, get to move with music. You know, it's very much like dancing. Um, My specialty is that I teach indoor cycling. I teach spinning. And so I get to curate playlists. I get to curate a mood. I get to craft an experience. And this is something that I can basically have job security no matter where my acting world takes me Mm -hmm. because there will always be gyms and community centers like there will never not be a time where there are not people who want to make movement a part of their lives. And what I started to realize is that the way that people talk to an audience and the way that people talk to themselves and the way that those intersect in a group fitness environment is really, really powerful. And I was noticing the ways that not just my inner dialogue monologue was being affected by the different classes that I would take and the different instructors that I would take and the way that the the music affected me, but I would see how that would affect other people in class or friends or family members and the way that they would not only talk about themselves or their bodies or good, being good, being bad, the narrative, like working off stuff. But I also noticed how that would work its way into people's conversations outside of a fitness realm and with myself included. And it was really during the time where I struggled with, I mean, multiple different eating and body related disorders from orthorexia was the big one to flirting with anorexia, flirting with 
exercise, bulimia, laxatives, like all the different things. Um, and a lot of the conversation around those types of mental illnesses in the early 2000s, um, first of all, they no eating disorders were widely mainstreamly referred to as mental illnesses. It was like, it's about food and it's about your body, which eating disorders and body related disorders, they are mental illness. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there weren't a lot of resources for me to, to tap into, to address exactly what was going on with me. Cause I was like, well, but I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this, but I am doing these other things. So it's like, where, where do I even go? Where do I even fit in? And because I had that hyper awareness, that hypersensitivity, I realized that I really needed to use that as my biggest ally in the moment. And I was like, I need to understand what is going on around me and what's going on inside me and how those intersect and how that is triggering me in certain instances. And so I'm, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit from where we just were in the fitness industry, but I realized that a lot of the conversations that I would hear, again, not just from family or friends, but just from the world around me, were a lot of people bonding over negativity and self-deprecation as emotionless as saying, oh, the sky is blue, or oh, I think I'm going to wear a dress today, talking mm-hmm. about their body, their capability, their worth. And it was, I realized that it was this language that we were using to bond and to gain acceptance, really. And there's been studies now that have been done that actually have proved that bonding over negativity, whether you're talking negatively about yourself or like gossiping about other people, it is a way to build trust with other people. It doesn't have the best ramifications, but it's a way to build trust. And so I realized that was happening. And then once I became a fitness instructor, I realized that that was actually a really powerful avenue to help start an internal conversation with people that maybe they wouldn't be receptive to in another environment. Because when you're working out, when you're moving your body, whether it's doing yoga or you're going on a run or whatever you're doing, you're putting your body through a state of stress and not all stress is bad stress, but you're putting your body through a state of stress. And so you get into a vulnerable state. And when you're Mm. vulnerable, you're more receptive to what is being, what is being handed to you, what is being fed to you. And so I realized that fitness was a really powerful way to get that across. And at that same time, this all like literally happened within like a matter of maybe five months. At that same time, that was when the Dove Real Bodies commercials mm. start to come out. Do you remember those first commercials? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, where it was like a line of women. They're all different, different ages, stages of life, races, body types, and they're all wearing basically like. Um, like white underwear, like a tank top and bras. And the commercial was at the time, it was incredibly revolutionary because that was the first commercial of its kind, major commercial 
that was about body acceptance and loving yourself and loving your body and using that like they didn't even show the product it wasn't like i love my body i'm putting mm-hmm. on this lotion it was like here's what we stand for mm-hmm. as a business and i remember seeing that while i was on vacation with my family i'm working through this eating this eating disorder body related disorder mental illness stuff i am getting interested in the way that fitness can be used for to help people and not harm people and i see this commercial and i was like this is the most amazing thing that i've ever seen this should be a larger conversation because also you can't just look in the mirror all the time and say i love myself i'm beautiful so there should be something that helps people when they can't look at themselves and say i love myself i'm beautiful i'm going to start something mm-hmm. that <laughs> that helps people when they can't just look at themselves in the mirror and say i love myself i'm beautiful and i'm going to call it want is going to be called women against negative talk like all of that happened at the same time thought of the name thought of the acronym thought of the thing and i know that um that you've you've talked about this like when you started your health coaching mm-hmm. business and you talk about this on your podcast about people starting things from a very personal place and a personal need and that's a great thing that's a great why that's a great like origin story of mm-hmm. your business at the time that was 2007 2008 i had no idea about starting a business. I thought it meant putting up a website and selling t-shirts. <laughs> like and I wasn't trying to start a t-shirt business. So I I did those things, but I realized later on because it it fizzled out the first time sort of like went into the background, I realized that I had thought of the thing that I so deeply needed in that moment, 2007, 2008, Katie needed want so badly. However, I didn't know how to deliver on that. I just knew that this was this thing that I wanted to see. And so even though that sort of faded into the background from a business perspective, that led me to exploring what is it about self-talk that I actually believe in? Stand behind, want to learn more about what do I know? What do I not know? Where do I see the gaps what do i what do i get angry about when mm. i see it talked about in other places and that led to whether it was through fitness or through i was i was an editor for a wellness lifestyle magazine for a while wherever my career took me i always had in the back of my mind this idea of well what's really the most important is the story that we're telling ourselves all of the time about ourselves and not just from a feel good place but from a very urgent place like i really i really from early on started to believe and see evidence of the way that we talk to ourselves about ourselves isn't just about us that mm. also informs how we view other people how we relate to other people how we take ourselves out into the world and so everything that i did had that in the background and 
sort of streamlining ahead now to 2013, 2014, I had this feeling of I'm supposed to be doing more. I was sitting behind a desk for most of the day. I was commuting a ridiculous amount of hours and I was teaching fitness early in the morning, late at night, because I felt so passionate about being able to be on a stage in community with people and helping to spark this dialogue in people and getting feedback on like what actually was working for people. And I started to feel like I'm supposed to be doing something more. I'm supposed to be doing something more. And what I realized is that as I was doing more work in the wellness realm, the way that people were talking about self-talk or your inner voice there was still so much that was so problematic about it and continues to be problematic about it, where you're villainizing part of yourself, calling it your inner mean girl, your inner critic, your inner, uh, like all, like all of these names, like calling your inner voice, like jerk, jerk face or something. And that works for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. And also a lot of people were talking about it as like only relating to your body and your body image. And what I was seeing was that the way that people talk to themselves, that affected their, like I said, relationships, their career, the way that they spoke out about things that they felt passionately about or injustices they were seeing in either their neighborhood or the world at large. And I realized that this idea that I had had seven years before that I was actually on the right track and that from what I could tell and what I could gather, no one had created it yet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I had the technical expertise and the professional know-how to be able to start something up at that point. I knew more of what I wanted to create. And I also knew that I had separated myself. I had enough separation from the me that needed that Mm. so much and the person who was able to support and hopefully help that person that I was actually able to be, hopefully be the person that I needed when I was younger without taking things to heart. So personally, especially, you know, when so much of the business lives in the online space, I was able to create the separation for myself because I had, I had gotten to a point where if I got a nasty comment, that wasn't going to send me back into restriction and binging mode. It wasn't going to send me back into self-deprecation, self-doubting mode. So really being aware of what I wanted to create and where I was mentally, that is something that I have credited in huge part to, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a blip in time, but to the longevity of, of my business now as someone who is an advocate for really, truly positive, proactive self-talk and rewriting that internal narrative. I love seeing how your journey unfolded and how 
you know, I just can, I can really relate to understanding or wanting to build a business that, you know, you felt like would have been supportive to you, but didn't exist. And I think it'll be so helpful for people to hear too. Like I talk a lot about how sometimes when we're on the journey, we don't exactly know where we're headed, but that it all ends up being so valuable. And so Mm -hmm. it just sounds to me like every piece of your story and every direction that you went was for a reason. And it ended up helping. It was like, it's like market research without you even thinking of it that way at the time. Right. Sometimes we try to like force us so bad. Like I need to have 10 calls with people to understand, you know, what their, what issues are with uh, self-talk. And it's like, you were just kind of doing this in like real time, but you didn't even know it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and you saw a need for this both because of your own experience and from others and what you were, the real feedback you were getting on the ground too. So I love that. Um, I think it's so interesting, but I was curious what you think too about you've been in the game long enough to know, you know, what, what changes have happened or what changes have you seen since the use of social media has just gotten so much bigger, you know, when you started uh, and you were, you were dipping your toes into this, Instagram wasn't even really a thing. And then definitely not store wasn't at all. And then Facebook was hardly a thing. And then, you know, there was no such thing as stories and now reels and everything feels like this giant competition and the goals are to go viral or I don't know what, what other goals people have, but I'm just curious what you think about how social media now affects, I feel like this is such a big question and we'll break it down, but how social media affects our self-talk. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, oh such let a, me count the ways. <laughs> such a, such a big question yeah. and it could be like a three part yeah. podcast series. Yeah. I mean, social media, you're right. When, when I first had that seed of an idea, all there was, was Facebook. And it's actually kind of cool. Like I have you know, Facebook will show you like on this day, like I have that post of like when I launched want back however long I still have in my, in my desk drawers, I have my old business cards. I have my old t-shirts. I have like a tote bag that I made. I've got all of this stuff, but yeah, social media was a blip. And I think that there's two questions here, two directions that this that your question can go, and you can tell me which one you'd like me to explore. The first one is how social media has affected our self-talk personally and just as a whole and as humans. And then the other side is how social media has affected, which I think was maybe a little subtext in your question, how social media has affected our self-talk around whatever we are creating professionally. Mm. I'm thinking, you know, that so I, I like both ideas, but I'm thinking that so many people in, in the audience are feeling like when they, I mean, because I get these messages and I'm sure you do too, but that when they get on social media, like they're feeling, you know, because my audience are all business owners or, or soon to be business owners. And so they get on social media and then they're like, shoot, everybody is already doing what I want to do or shoot, uh, you know, she's prettier, she's thinner, therefore, and she, and she's successful. Therefore they also make attachment to that, like a meaning attachment of like, she's pretty and or she's successful because she's pretty and thin. I don't find myself to be those things. Therefore I won't be successful. Right. We get like a Mm -hmm. lot of those kinds of things as well as obviously like comparison and imposter and all of like the standard things. But to the person listening who has her own business and goes on social media and probably feels like crap from 
time to time, if not every time they're using social media. I'm just so curious what you would say to them about how we work with self-talk and how we we improve this and, and flex this muscle more if we want to, while also like as I said, when I was just on your podcast, it's a choice for us to be on social media. And so like, if they are choosing to be on social media, how can we do this in a healthier way? hundred <laughs> percent. So I believe that just like in life with any relationship that boundaries are mm. important. And I said it earlier, I, I share what is, I share what is personal, not what is intimate. That's, that's one of my core boundaries. And I also, I think that it's really important to decide, okay, well, what do I want to get out of this experience? How Mm. do I want to feel? And what is contributing to the feelings that I'm actually feeling? So for me, I like viewing social media as like one before even the acting and everything. I thought I was going to be an animator for Disney. I'm a visual artist, draw, I paint, I craft, I do all of those things. Yeah. I do. I do a lot of artsy, artsy things. And I like to view social media as one big art project Mm -hmm. or scrapbook or journal. And to me, that's something that allows a little bit of separation for me. And what is really interesting about that is once I've defined like how I want social media to be for me, then I can start to look at, well, what are the, what are the things or what are the actions that I'm taking or the stuff that I'm seeing that's actually making me feel the way that I don't want to feel that is preventing me from feeling that way. And I think for a lot of people, myself included at times, the numbers can really mess with your head. How many likes you get on a certain post or how many likes you see someone else got on a post and or how many followers you have or how many followers they have. And there are certain advantages. Like I'm also, I'm a realist. I recognize that with a certain amount of followers or engagement, like that does allow you certain opportunities with brands, with partnerships, Mm -hmm. if that's what you're after. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you're after, I believe that you can't really get mad at that game. Mm. And, and if it's affecting your mental health so much, you have to ask yourself, is that the game that I, that I want to keep playing? Do I want to, like, for example, I do not and have not for a while now, I don't have sponsors on the WantCast. And I mm. used to. And I've worked with some fantastic sponsors and some amazing brands. Like some of, some of the brands that I've worked with, I developed relationships with the founders and I'm so grateful for them. And I also realized that if I wanted to get deeper into that game, then I, there, I don't know if people realize this, but there are agencies that work with brands on getting ad placements. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is that you work with this agency or you work with the brand and you basically need to give them the number that they that they can expect 
as far as how many people you think will listen to the episode in a given amount of time. Like there's a lot of metrics involved and Mm. it's, you know, it's business because they want to know that they're making a worthwhile investment. And for me and for the way that I want to run the Wantcast, the, the Women Against Negative Talk podcast, I am someone who I want to be able to be fluid with it because I started the podcast when I was still working that full-time job, commuting ridiculous hours, teaching morning and night. I published once every three weeks because that was the schedule that worked for me. I've also published every single week. I've also published every other week. I've been going through just some mental health struggles with anxiety and and feeling depressed over the last few months, which I think many people have. And so I have had, sometimes I have like a once a month schedule. And I realized that that was more important to me. For me, consistency with the podcast meant doing it, Mm. period. And that was what was most important to me. And because of that, I was not willing to force it to happen and start to resent it for ad placement and for being able to report those numbers. And so I was like, I'm going to let go of, of the numbers for Mm. the podcast and I'm going to let go of the sponsorships because that is not something that is going to get me to keep doing this in the long run. And so if relating it back to social media, if that is something that whether it's the amount of times that you post or the amount of followers you have versus someone else versus the amount of likes you have versus someone else, if that's something that is that is holding you back and wearing you down on a, not just a mental health level, but a business level of like actually doing the thing that you want to do and, and achieving the goals that you want to achieve, then start to look at well, what actually matters Hmm. and which of these, as far as metrics goes, which of these are what many people would call vanity metrics, metrics that just make me feel really good, but they're not actually moving the needle and which of these actually do matter are moving the needle. As far as looking at other people and seeing what other people are doing or making assumptions about their business and how good they are, how bad you are, whatever's going on with the self-talk there. What I would say is, first of all, getting clear again on why you are there and who you are showing up to be, who you want to show up to be. That is so important. A lot of times I will work with my, with my one-on-one clients. I'll work with them at the very get-go, no matter what they come to me with, because I have people who are people who want to leave their corporate job and start their own business. I have people who are going on interviews and they want to do really well on their interviews. I have people who want to more just shift their mindset around the way that they relate to certain aspects of their life. Usually I have them start out with what I call defining your through line, which is some people would say like defining your purpose or your mission. I like to think of it as a little more simple and at the same time, all encompassing as that Mm. the common theme in everything you love and the common goal in everything you do. And it's a, it's a little statement 
few words. It doesn't have to be in like your LinkedIn profile or your Instagram bio or on your resume. It's, it's just a way for you to come back to who you are and what you stand for. And what I have found both myself and with others, friends, colleagues, clients, is that when we're not solid in our through line, then we start to look for that from other people because we think like, oh, well, I don't know the answer. So maybe they have the answer. And it comes from a a great place. I believe that self-talk inherently isn't good or bad. It's information. And what's really interesting going back to like calling your, your, your negative self-talk, your inner critic or your inner bully, it's really interesting is that that part of you actually wants to help you out. Mm. It has a motivation and a reason for being there that is for your greater good. It's just, it's tactics are not the best. They're either outdated or they're just not, not working. So what would be interesting, I wonder if someone is li- is listening to this podcast and is that person who's looking to other people and comparing themselves to other people or making up a story about the other people and how they relate to that other person. Mm. I wonder what would happen if you asked yourself what that part of you is trying to accomplish by making those comparisons or telling those stories. Is it that that part of you is looking for a sense of certainty Mm. or a sense of safety or a sense of validation? Maybe that part of you is looking to other people and actually actually picking apart the other people and saying, Mm. well, that person isn't doing that the way that I would do it, but you're actually not really sure about the way that you would do it. But it's much easier. That part of you is like, well, I want to lift you up. I want to make you feel better about yourself. So let's go and let's look for ways that other people are not doing things the way that you agree with. And so trying to find out what that motive is and then figuring out how can I get it in a different way Mm. is a nuanced and intricate and effective way to actually start to shift that self-talk for the long run. Because while affirmations and mantras can work for some people and they can take a phrase like, I am strong or I am worthy and leave it at that, for many of us, we need a lot more proof to Mm -hmm. actually be able to believe I am strong, I am worthy. I am talented. And so being able to look at what you're doing and looking at your methods, look at your past, look at different aspects of your life and starting to either gather proof or figure out how can I create a proof point for myself? That is what will actually start to make those affirmations, which I don't even really use the word affirmations, those reminders to yourself actually believable and anchor you in who you are. I often think about, especially when it comes to social media, I'll often think of 
myself as sort of like a plant, right? That has to have pretty strong roots. And, and I think sometimes I'm like a plant in the middle of a field and I have these roots and social media is kind of like the wind and the rain and the snow and all the stuff that comes around that if you don't have roots or very strong roots and a strong foundation, it would be very easy for the plant to fall over, for a branch to break off, you know, all these kinds of things. And so when I go on social media and I start doing that and I start having these feelings come up, I just think like, this is an opportunity for me to not, to not look to this outside of myself, right. To look at strengthening my own root system so that I'm not so like malleable so that when the strong wind blows, I don't just blow over, you know, like having that strong core for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think that also when it comes to social media and your interactions with social media, I love, I love a mute button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) If, if unfollowing feels weird, then like there is no harm in muting someone who, even if you love them in real life, maybe they're your best friend. But the way that you interact with them on social media, and by interact, I mean holding up your phone and scrolling and seeing their posts and reading and looking at the pictures, if that is triggering self-doubt or self-deprecation or it's making you be mean to yourself or feel down over and over and over again, I think that it's really valuable for us to start to reframe the act of muting someone, unfollowing someone, never following someone in the first Mm -hmm. place as a way to preserve the relationship that you actually want to have. You do not owe anyone a follow on social media if that's going, I mean, if that's the thing that's going to make or break your relationship, that you're following the person or not following the person, then it's like, how strong is the relationship to begin with? So I know that I have people in my life who, whether they're colleagues or friends or family members, there's people who I have followed and then muted and then followed. And, you know, I have, I have that relationship with social media in place because I value the actual relationship that I want to have with the person because I don't want everybody. Also, it's really important to recognize and I'm kind of going off on a tangent right now because I'm getting really, really pumped up and fired up about this. We also have to realize that everybody's using social media for different reasons Mm. and someone who is posting all of their wins and all of their celebrations and all of this amazing stuff that they're doing on social media. Like if you are starting to feel triggered by that, there's so much there. First of all, that's not a them thing. That's a you thing. Mm -hmm. And that also begs the question of why don't we think it's okay to celebrate our wins or to celebrate other people's wins. And like, what if, They are struggling through a deep, dark time in their lives. And the way that they're using social media is a tool to remind themselves 
of the good that actually exists in their Mm -hmm. lives. We never know what is going on and what the reasoning is behind why someone is using social media. And so I think allowing the person grace and allowing ourselves to put whatever boundaries in place we need is really, really important to not develop resentment of someone else Mm. or resentment of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always encourage people during those moments to be introspective and be like, do you share every single moment that's going on in your life? Like, well, why is it any different for them? You know, if they, just because they have a big platform or something like this, it's like, you don't, you don't share that either. So sometimes it's like, a, oh yeah, right. That's right. Moment. You know, it's a little, it's a little disorienting, but yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody comes to social with different goals and objectives, but also to your point too, like some people may have different pressures on themselves that if they have sponsors, you know, I know someone in particular is a very large you know, platform can't talk about certain things because of like sponsorship opportunities, different business opportunities, their business partner. It's like all of this kind of, like, there's just so many things. And, and to your point earlier about how you've met people in real life who turned out to not, you know, maybe be like, it was like they were acting on social media. I feel like I've had the same experience where I've judged someone negatively because of what I've seen. And then I meet them in real life and find out they're a really normal person who has like all these other interesting things about them or or difficult things they've been going through, or, you know, I'll share with them what's going on with my dad. And they're like, Oh, my parent actually had cancer too. And you're like, wow, I thought your life was like totally perfect because of whatever I see. But those are always wake up calls to remember. And I really do want people to take more responsibility for how, how we take this information in because it's like pe- people are just putting stuff out there, but it's up to you as to like, what, what do you want to do with this? You know, and how strong mm-hmm. are your roots that you're not taking this in and letting it knock you over, but to, 100%. to the, yeah. And to the people who are listening, who are business owners and they, they do feel these pangs of comparison or imposter. I, f- I hear a lot of, especially in my audience because of what I do, I feel like a lot of people feel like they need another certification or they're not smart enough or they're, you know, especially in, in our space where maybe if someone's becoming a health coach and then they think, well, but there are RDs and physicians and nurses, like there are all these rungs above me of people who are going to be trying to do things like me. What would you say to this person who's trying to work on their self-talk? How do they get started in improving this? Yeah, I think that just like with the numbers and the metrics and like the game to play, there are certain things where you do need a certification. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things where like you you really can't be giving certain counsel. Like I don't want a surgeon operating on me <laughs> who watched a lot of YouTube videos and just read a lot of books and it's like I'm self-taught. No. I want someone who went to school and has a degree and has checks, check, checkpoints in place. Beyond that, I think that because that is something I think, especially when you get into the more nuanced and more sometimes obtuse industries of like, okay, well, like health coaching, wellness coaching, well, what does health mean? What does wellness mean? Mm. I think that a question to ask yourself is, do I want, do I think that I need this certification because I actually need it? Like, what is, what is this going, what is the payoff of this going Mm. to be? Or am I just looking for something to make me feel like I know more? 
I deserve um, to be here. A lot of people feel like exactly. they don't deserve to be in the room, you know, or a lot of people have similar situations that I did where they left corporate and then they're going into something that is not as accepted or or understood by society. You know, it's really easy to walk into a room and say, hi, I'm a lawyer to explain, hi, I'm a coach who helps people do this, this and this. It's much more complicated. People don't, people aren't aware of it. And so mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people struggle with feeling like they've got to continue to do this to prove it to somebody that they're worthy of being there and being part of the conversation. hundred percent. And there are ways to develop expertise or like thought leadership for lack of a better term. There's, there's ways to do that without being like, okay, I need to be the most mm -hmm. certified person in the world. And if you're going to do that, then you have to ask yourself, how am I going to be responsible with the information that I am giving out? Like I have all over my websites, my products, my everything, like what is on here is not mm -hmm. substitute mm -hmm. for like for, for therapy or a psychiatric help or a doctor and you know, being really mindful and very self-aware about what you're speaking about that is just your experience mm -hmm. and what actually can or maybe does apply to people other than yourself. Because something that that can happen, I've seen it happen a lot in our space online, is that people will take their one experience and then say, like, I did this. And so here's how you can do it too. And that can be really dangerous, not just from a mental, emotional level, but depending on your area of work, like from, from a very small perspective. Um, and this is a trendy thing that happens online. And so I do not mean to like call anyone out who does this. I just am maybe asking people to be a little more mindful around this and how they put little disclaimers around it. But what I eat in a day post. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those, or, or this happens a lot in the fitness world of like, here's the exercises that I do for my arms, whatever it is. It's like you have a very specific physiological, biological makeup that is going to make you respond to food and nutrients and movement and exercise in a way that is unique to you. And so if you are telling people, oh, just eat these things and you'll get this way, at the very base level, you're making false promises or you're mm -hmm. making promises that you can't stand behind. And that's like the low level, like not even close to worst case scenario in that example. And so for someone who is thinking, well, I need more, more certifications or mm. more, um, more training, like get, get the amount of training that makes you feel solid and also allows you to see what is yours alone and what can be more universal. And also like maybe, maybe look at the information that you're handing out 
and mm-hmm. or doling out or, or suggesting to people or the coaching that you're giving to people. And ask yourself, how curious am I getting about the other person versus how much am I concerned with being the expert mm-hmm. here? And this definitely happens. We've seen it a lot, especially in the last few years, like this sort of guru mentality Mm -hmm. of people on the internet wanting to be the person who has the answers. And that is really dangerous. And as honestly, like as a business owner, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to put myself in that position for on a, on a base level for my own personal mental and emotional health. I don't want Mm -hmm. to be that person. And I also know from an accountability standpoint, I don't want to be that person. And that's not actually what is the most helpful and useful and of service thing for other people, if that's what I'm after. And I have decided that that is what I am after. And so if that's what I'm after versus being famous, being a guru, being this, you know, like high up exalted expert, it drives me bananas when people will go to a life coach or a health coach, or they'll go to a, even, even a personal trainer, they'll go to someone and then they're reliant on that person. Mm. And they, once they stop working with that person, they fall back into old habits because that person has created a system where the people who buy into what they're selling can't do what they want to do without them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that person. I want to be able to get curious and help you along your journey and then go off into the world and know that I am in your corner and I am cheering you on you are your own end all be all. I am nowhere near your end all be all. I am a stop along the way. And I hope that I can make a positive and proactive impact on someone. But that is a very long answer to your short question. Oh, it's so interesting. If people are, if people are saying, well, but I need this certification, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like, look at the base level. Of, of what you want to accomplish and who you want to be and the methods that you're taking to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm it, there's so many fascinating elements to what you've shared, but what came up for me when you were saying that is that the, the in the coaching industry, I tend to see uh, the creation of like codependency patterns. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, it was just like keeping people looped in. Um, but also it goes back to something we talked about on your podcast, which I'll link to, but that, so you, by looking at other people, like the, the, when you mentioned like the, what I eat in a day, what I work out for in a day, even people doing this about business, right? Like sharing, like I did this, therefore like one plus one will equal two for you. That is not true. Like there are just so many factors that are dependent on that. And I, I hope that to be one of those voices that's constantly saying that of like, this, I'm just, I'm being really honest with you about how I did this. That does not necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen for you. Not in like a disclaimer way in a, like, literally, if you copied everything I did, I don't necessarily think you would do, you would have the same outcome. It's just, it's dependent on so many different factors, but in doing that too, in our industry, people are taking what they see in the, in the, what I eat in a day post and all that as the way to eat in a day, right. Let alone the fact mm-hmm. that that is not what a coach 
is meant to do. And this is something I talked a lot about in a scope of practice episode, which I'll share here. But I had a scope of practice episode about not uh, about only doing what you're actually qualified to do, but also how your personal experience is actually not like a launch pad for a business. So like sometimes right. people will be like, I have, you know, I dealt with fibromyalgia, therefore now I teach other people how to not have it or something like that. That alone in and of itself, it can, that can motivate you to learn more about it. But that in and of itself, that experience mm-hmm. is not enough to teach other people how to navigate disease or, or whatever else. So right. it's just so fascinating to me. And you can, and you can be a, and what's the word, an an aggregation of resources. Like if you are someone who, let's say fibromyalgia, let's say you had fibromyalgia and you conquered it, or you Mm -hmm. you manage it now in a way that you're like, this is amazing. I feel empowered. I feel strong. You can be someone who you can totally start a podcast about fibromyalgia and interview experts. doctors <laughs> and experts. Like you can be the person. I mean, look at some of the greatest talk show hosts of our time. Like look at Oprah. Mm. Oprah has, Oprah is not to my knowledge. People can correct me if I'm wrong. Oprah is not a, a she didn't go to medical school. She's mm. not a doctor. She's not a psychologist Mm -mm. but she she has her own take on certain things and calls in experts and then aggregates that and gives her take on certain things in a way that is digestible but in no way shape or form does she say here's what you do she Mm. says i'm going to interview this person or here's what this person says like giving credit where credit's due and i also think (laughs) back to like the, what I eat in the day and what that sort of represents to me, which is trends and virality. I think that as business owners, it's really important to not confuse trending content and viral content as actually making strides Mm -hmm. in your business. Because what's also really important to remember is that trends will come and go (laughs) And also the internet is kind of forever. So if you post something and don't actively take it down, like, I mean, maybe someone screenshotted or something, but if you have something up there, like your, what you are creating could hit it big in years. I cannot tell you like bear, like, this is a silly example, but every single May or maybe end of April, there is a meme that goes around. It is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and at the very, at the very bottom, it says, it's going to be May. <laughs> like it's going to be May. Um, if you, if you're in an instinct, fan, huge, which I huge instinct hope fan. that you are fantastic. <laughs> that meme has been going around for years. And now it's at the point where I feel like it's sort of a part of pop culture, like the pop culture Rolodex, lexicon, whatever you want to call it. That meme started like, if not a decade, if not more than a decade ago, at least a decade ago, like you never know when what you create is going to make the impact that you want it to have. And so staying within integrity in yourself, creating 
the work that you believe is the work that is the right work for you to be creating and letting go of the timeline of that, Mm. especially with the way that social media is, the way that the internet is in our lives. It's, I believe it is a, it's a survival tactic, letting go of that timing because of the nature of the internet and the way that people can find things from years and years and years ago. So mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself, am I in this for the quick hit of validation or success or whatever I think, or am I in this for the long haul? Yeah. Yeah. And that very can be a long hard haul. question to like, like grapple with. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's tempting. I'm a very long haul person, but I can see how people get distracted by, by the temporary quick hits, especially when you feel like, you know, the long haul takes time. It took years and years to get any traction. I felt like no one was listening for a long time. So I could see why that would be tempting. And I have a lot of like compassion for that, but it's also not, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, the best business move. So yeah. no, And like do the things in the short term that can, that can feed that part of your, your brain and your ego, like also the ego your ego isn't a bad thing. It's just a yeah, thing. This is there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we talk about it, like it's this evil ego yeah. and we're all like, like the ego wants so much, like wants you to climb the ladder and <laughs> do these smarmy things. Like, no, it's, it's really good to have a healthy ego right, and to be that. able to celebrate yourself and to be able to like have your own back. And so like explore, what are the things that I can do to feel the way I want to feel? What are the the small things that I can do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to feel like I'm making traction, to feel mm. like I am what I do matters? Um, and what what of that is in your what can I do that's also in my control? Because mm. there's going to be so much that isn't in your control. And that's something that's a big conversation about Instagram right now and the algorithm, yeah. the algorithm, all caps, and how much that will show you or not show you other people's content based on whatever's going on on the back end. It's like, you can't control that, mm-hmm. but what can you control? And there have been, just from a social media standpoint, there have been posts of mine that have gotten reach beyond what I ever thought I could get. And they've been posts that are like, oh, I told a story about bagels and <laughs> bagels and self-love and traditions and whatever. And like it, it it got to like different bagel companies in New York. I got invited to a freaking bagel festival. I know. It was, that was my dream. I was so excited for you. <laughs> it was so amazing. But I was talking about, you know, how bagels and self-talk and, mm-hmm. and self self-esteem actually like they all go together and here's the way. And then there's other posts that I've created that are more educational posts where I'm like, I feel so strongly about this. And like, I really want to help people internalize this. And, and I hope that people save this and they're going to be able to get it. And it's like, I, I look on the back end and not even like, forget about the likes or the mm. comments, like the amount of accounts that it actually reached yeah. is like minuscule, like maybe 1% of the total people who follow me. And it's like, that's not in my control. Yes, there are certain things and certain ways to strategize. And for that, I would say hire a social media strategist yeah. so that you don't get in your head and so that you have someone who is actually an expert. 
Mm. And who can actually say like, this is what matters. This is what doesn't matter. And here are the things that you should and shouldn't care about. But the main thing that I can control is my through line, what I feel the strongest about and what I want to what what I want my legacy to be as far as when it comes to my relationships with other people and my time on this earth, that mm-hmm. is what I can control. And so I can just do the very best that I can in that realm. And as long as I'm focusing on that, like if I let that go, then what else do I have really? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so with you. I'm so damn sick of hearing about the algorithms. I'm like, not only can we not control it, they don't owe it to us anyway. And I'm like, you can only do what you right. can do. Like, I just, it, yeah. it just seems so silly. I just saw somebody say the other day she was quitting because the algorithm It's like, this has always been the algorithm. Like, welcome to the party. But I, yeah, it's just right. so funny to me. I'm like, I don't know what the big deal is, but. And there's like so many more interesting conversations yeah, I think, that we can be having <laughs> about social media and the dynamics mm-hmm. on social media and our relationship with it and yeah. the self-talk around that. There's so many more interesting conversations i believe yeah I the agree conversation about the freaking algorithm you know not to mention the fact that i always i'm telling everyone like i built my business up pretty good when i had a small audience hardly anyone was seeing my post then it's it hasn't really gotten that much better so it's like i i think there's all this like false pressure too and exactly how many people do need to see your content and like if you're there to run a business you can do a lot with a lot less than you think but yeah. anywho i could can talk I tell to you, you one, all day one oh yeah i went story to go ahead. about that mm-hmm. teeny 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 little story so i did an instagram live a while ago and I, I did it. It was like an, an interview. Someone else was on it and I did it and it didn't get nearly as many. I thought that it was awesome. I was like, this is so great. And people are going to love this. And it got a small in, in relationship to the other, the other Instagram lives I've done, like small for me, it didn't really move the needle at all with anything except there was one woman who saw it. She reached out to me and she was like, Hey, I saw your Instagram live with so-and-so. I love this. Very long story short. She has now become a close friend of mine. Um, She leads, she has her, her own, her own group coaching practice. I've gone in and been a, a guest speaker in her guest coaching practice. And it's like, there's there's a business level of that, but there's also a personal level of that. It's one person could see what you put out or mm-hmm. read the words that you write or hear the podcast. And whether you know it or not, in this case, like I really benefited from the situation because like I got a cool new friend from yeah. it. But one person, it could change everything for them. It could change everything for them. And from a business level, that one person also could be a client who is your star client who mm-hmm. makes so many incredible strides who like refers you to a bunch of people and so just really celebrating whoever is there and realizing that no one is beholden to whatever you are creating in your business whether mm-hmm. it's content based service based or product based no one is beholden to that and they're choosing to be there like that is something I, whether it's three people or 3000 people, I just, I always feel so honored that people are 
trusting me with their time and their energy and their inbox and their brain space. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. That's my story. Yeah. I love it. I'm so glad you shared that because I I talk a lot about how things, we all focus so much on the monetary, like the revenue and the goals and all this, but there are so many other things like connecting, making friends, but I'm I'm so glad that you said that. And by the way, speaking of newsletters, because I know that you have to go to voice class, I want you to tell everybody how they can get your newsletter because I'm on it and I love it. So I would love for you to tell the people. You're awesome. Thank you. They can sign up at womenagainstnegativetalk.com. And that's the place that has all of the tips, tools, motivation, inspiration that people can just dive in and binge read or binge listen to the want cast, all of that stuff when it comes to moving forward in their lives by shifting their self-talk patterns. So they can go there. If they want to learn more about the ways that they can work with me personally, Mm -hmm. They can go to katiehorwich.com. That's H-O-R-W-I-T-C-H. I have everything on there from my speaking and workshops to my mindset coaching to the private community that I host called the Mont Community. Um, it's small, it's intimate, it's personal, it's beautiful. And they can find me on the internet, on <laughs> Instagram at Katie Horwich, just my name. And they can listen to your podcast, the Wantcast. And they can listen to. And they will listen. They can listen to the Wantcast. And they can listen to you on the Wantcast. This is true. I can't wait. Well, before you go, I have to ask you quick fire, quick, quick fire questions. So, would you rather have coffee or tea? Coffee. Mm, Me too. Would you rather read fiction or nonfiction? Oh, I would rather alternate. I don't want to read too much fiction. And I don't want to read too much nonfiction. I want to read a nonfiction book and then read a fiction book so I can apply what I've learned. That's a good one. I like that. It's a good Libra answer. For yeah, you. exactly. This is a very, <laughs> this one's a very controversial question. Do you like to clean up as you go or clean up at the end when cooking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> People have had very this, passionate answers about this. <laughs> well, my husband would prefer that I clean up as I go because that's his style. <laughs> I like to clean up at the very end. So I do it all at once. Cause I want to cook the thing mm. and then have that moment of like, you know, I'm a crafter. I'm like, I do art. It's like, I want to make the art project and then put away the tools. Yeah. That's how I view it. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. And would you rather hit up a fancy restaurant or the best food trucks in New York? Fancy restaurant, but not necessarily for the food. I just really love like a sit down experience. It's the introvert in me, the sensitive yeah. person in me. Like I want, I I want a table to sit at. And also like, I just love the restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like going to, yes, you get food, but it's a, it's a, it's a full sensory cultural experience. For and sure. so is a food truck, but mm-hmm. I like sitting down. I hear you. Okay. And then because it's you, I just have to ask you what your favorite bagel order is. My favorite bagel order is, I will give you the general order and then I'll give you the specific for anyone who is in New York or visits New York. Mm -hmm. My bagel order is pumpernickel bagel. If Mm -hmm. they don't have a pumpernickel bagel, I will get a poppy seed bagel, but it has to have a lot of poppy seeds on it because I don't want it to just taste like a plain bagel with some seeds on it. (laughs) Take the bagel. You scoop it out. There's a reason for that. You toast it. Inside, on both sides, you put cream cheese, just plain cream cheese. And then you put tomatoes on top. 
you put cucumbers on top, and sometimes you put locks on top. Mm-hmm. You scoop it out, not for stupid diet culture reasons. And I can't stand that diet culture has ruined scooped out bagels. The reason you scoop out the bagels is it becomes a little moat for the cream cheese and yeah. you get the proper ratios of bagel to schmear. Mm-hmm. If you are in New York, there is actually a place called Bagels and Schmear that I do love. It's in Gramercy area. But one of the best bagels that I've ever had is and one of the most unique bagels. It's from a place called Bagel Pub. Mm. And there's a few locations in Brooklyn. They're about to open one in Manhattan. They have a pumpernickel everything bagel. <gasps> so you get all of the best things about the everything bagel. But what I don't like about the everything bagel is it just tastes like a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So then you put the pumpernickel in the mix and you're like, are you freaking kidding me? And then you add all of the stuff on and it's, it's fantastic. Um, Sounds amazing. And if you want bagel recommendations, like (laughs) Katie, just (laughs) just hit me up on Instagram or email me. It's Katie at women against negative talk.com. I will give you bagel suggestions for whatever part of the city you're in. That's amazing. Look at that. Always providing service. (laughs) I just aim to be helpful. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I say our next podcast is all about bagels. If you're up for it, I'm up for it, but I can talk about bagels all day long. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Katie, for being here. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have fun at your voice class and everybody make sure you reach out to Katie and say hi, get on her newsletter, listen to her podcast, do all of the things. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was such an honor and I loved this conversation and getting to spend my afternoon with you. Thank you. You too. I'll see you later. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi. Bye.